Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. It's great to see you all today. Today is a special day. It's Dream Team Sunday. And you may have noticed uh, in the back corner there, there's some tables in the back that are highlighting some of the ministry opportunities that are available to you and areas uh, that we need additional team members in. And they're also giving you a handout that kind of outlines some of the uh, membership and volunteer opportunities that we have here at Life Church, and uh, we'll talk more about that here in just a moment. After the message today, though, you will have an opportunity to talk to some of the Dream Team leaders, find out a little bit more about their ministries and what that's all about. Now, this week, my wife was uh, sharing with me about a devotion that they did in her small group on uh, Tuesday, and it actually kind of inspired the sermon that I want to preach uh, here today. So uh, if you have your Bibles, get ready. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 4 here in just a moment, but kind of setting it up before I read our text from Exodus 4. In Exodus chapter 3, we find the story of God uh, meeting Moses at the burning bush and calling him to lead the children of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, and, uh, you know, we find Moses in this particular season of his life, he was just minding his own business. He was taking care of sheep uh, when this whole story unfolded. Now, leading up to that, Moses was an amazing character. Matter of fact, they made a movie about him, right? <laughs> the Ten Commandments. Moses was unbelievable. But in this particular season, Moses had kind of just put all that behind him. And I think he had resolved himself just to live out his life in anonymity on the backside of the desert. But here he is, Exodus chapter 3, and then the Lord shows up in the burning bush and calls Moses to do this big monumental task. Now, Moses, he didn't feel like he was up to it, didn't feel like he was up to what the Lord laid out for him. And the Bible says he protested about it. And in verse 11, he said, who am I to stand before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? And, and God said, look, Moses, don't worry about that. I've got you. I will be with you. But Moses continued to make excuses as to why he could not do what God was calling him to do. And that's where I want to pick it up in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. It says this. But Moses protested again. Well, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, he said, well, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Well, throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake and Moses jumped back. Amen. That might be the greatest understatement in all the Bible. <laughs> then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. 
Verse 5 says, perform this sign, the Lord told him, and then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. I think the Lord, though, knew Moses was still skeptical, so he gave him another trick for his arsenal. Verse 6 says, then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. Now, after Moses' repeated excuses, God finally said to him, what is that in your hand. And Moses said, it's just a shepherd's staff. And folks, hear me, that was all that God needed. Here's what I want to preach about today. Give him what you have. Just give him what you have. Amen. Now, Moses, back to Moses. He lived an amazing life, but at this stage in his story, he was tending the sheep of Jethro, his father-in-law, And this day was probably really no different than any other day. He walked the same path. He walked those same dusty trails to the same backside of a mountain, Mount Horeb. And in his hand, he carried with him a shepherd's staff. And all the shepherds had one of those in his day. He probably had carried this staff hundreds of times before. It might have been in his hands for many, many years And who knows where he found it or how he acquired it. See, a shepherd's staff was really just a stick. Maybe a crooked sapling with a hook in the end. It was probably four to six feet in length. He used it for walking and poking and uh, poking sheep and killing snakes. Whatever the occasion called for. Now, every little boy and probably a lot of little girls uh, knows this. And when I've taken my grandson, Mason, for walks in the woods behind our house... We automatically gravitate, especially little, they gravitate to where picking up a stick, right? Everybody wants a walking stick when you're in the woods. It's just a piece of comfort. It's just something that you like to have. So Moses had this simple stick, and little did he realize that soon it was going to become a mighty instrument in the hands of God. God was going to use this simple shepherd's staff. To help him lead a nation, not just lead sheep. This common, insignificant stick was going to become a symbol of victory. Amen. The thing that Moses carried in his hand was going to become a mighty tool for God to use. But hear me, make no mistake, the power was not in the staff. Right? It wasn't in the staff. There were thousands of sticks like it. Any axe probably could have chopped it in two. Human hands could have probably broken it across their knee. A fire would have surely devoured it, just like any other would. If Moses had been careless, he could have easily lost it. Uh, There was only one thing that made this stick in his hand different. It was significant because Moses was going to allow this insignificant ordinary item to become significant when given back to the hands of God. See, Moses was going to give God what he had and let God use it for his glory. 
Now, I can imagine the conversation that day between God and Moses. Moses, what's that in your hand? Oh, this? Well, it's just a stick that I picked up off the ground. It's nothing special. And then God said, I want you to throw it down on the ground and watch what I can do with it if you give me what you have. Come on, somebody. Okay, God, well, whatever you say. And Moses obeyed God, and he threw the stick down, and he was shocked at what he saw. The Bible says it turned into a snake. This ordinary stick was now no longer just an ordinary stick. God had done something with what Moses had obediently given him. And then God said, I want you to reach out and grab it by the tail. Now, folks, if this was my story, this is where the story would have ended. I'm going to tell you right now, there ain't no way I'm bending down. Oh, it's just a black snake. It's just a garden snake. I don't care what you call it. If it wiggles and it ain't got no legs, if it's a snake, I am not picking it up. Amen. God said, bend down and pick it up. And God bless Brother Moses. Amen. He did. And what happened? As soon as he touched it, it turned back into a staff again. This ordinary, lowly symbol of Moses' occupation as a shepherd, which really was all he had to offer, all of a sudden it becomes something extraordinary. This crooked stick became God's instrument because Moses was willing to give God what he had. Amen. See, God took the mundane and he made it mighty. And my question to this congregation and to anyone that may be even watching online. My question to you on this Dream Team Sunday and to every believer in the room is what are you doing with your life? Come on. I know you're working. I know you're providing for your family. I know you're doing, but I mean, but what are you doing with your life? See, what are you doing with the gifts and the talents and the calling that God has put in your hands? What is it that God wants you to do? That can make a kingdom difference, an eternal difference. And what is it that he could do through you if you would simply give him what you have? Amen. See, one of the things that we would like to accomplish today is to enlist more kingdom volunteers, people that maybe are sitting in these pews or watching online that could sign up for ministry teams and can make a difference right here at Life Church. And the reason we need that is thank God our church is growing. Amen. Can you say thank you, Jesus, to that? Come on, people are getting saved. People are getting baptized. People are being filled with the Holy Spirit. People are having addictions broken in their life. Amen. We just had an amazing, if you were here Wednesday night, we just had an amazing first Wednesday prayer meeting. Amen. We dismissed at 8 o'clock. People were still here praying at almost 9 o'clock. Amen. We had a wonderful move of God's presence. Amen. And we want our church to continue to grow, and we need your help to do that. But more important than that, I want to see you find your kingdom purpose and fulfill it, whatever it is that God wants you to do. More important than meeting all of our volunteer needs here at Life Church, I want to see every believer give God what you have so that he can do something with it and through you that only you can do. My question is, what are you willing to lay down, and what are you willing to pick up? 
Come on, for the kingdom of God. What are you willing to do to be the kind of example to your children or to your spouse or to your family members of what God wants you to be? See, these two important questions that you've got to consider. What are you holding on to that you need to release? Or what are you ignoring that you need to pick up? Come on, talk to everybody in this room right now. What are you holding on to that you need to let go of in order to fulfill God's purpose in your life? Or what is it that God keeps asking you to pick up, but you're afraid to reach over and touch it? You're afraid to take it into your hand. You're afraid to step into that level of anointing. You're afraid, can I just say, you're afraid to step into that level of sacrifice. Or maybe you say, well, my calendar or my schedule, or I'm really not that confident in my talent ability, or I can't sing as good as they can, or I can't serve as good as they can, or or maybe I'm not that great with kids, or maybe I am, but I just don't want to do it. What do you need to release, and what do you need to pick up in order to fulfill God's plan in your life? So you might say, well, this is all I have, God. God says, great, give it to me. Hallelujah, give it to me. God, all I got is this big stick. Yeah, that's all I'm asking for, Moses. That's all I'm asking for. God, I stutter. How am I going to speak? You know what, Moses? I'm going to send your brother with you, and he'll do the talking for you. God, what if they say that they don't believe me? What if they say they didn't hear from me? Oh, you wait till I show you what I'm going to do when you get there. Wait till I open up the can of plagues on them. Amen. Wait till I show. Why? Don't worry about that part, Moses. Moses, I just need you to say yes. And I'll take care of the rest. See, I'm looking around this room. Many of you have said yes, and to God be the glory. But others, I just want to challenge you right now. My job as your pastor is to tell you, God wants you to take what you have and give it to him and let him bless it and use it for his glory and for his kingdom purpose and eternity. Amen. God says, give it to me, and I'll bless it, and I'll use you. I'm looking for hands that I can use. See, whatever you have. Whatever you are, God needs willing hands that he can use. See, God didn't tell Moses, I need you to bring me a perfect shepherd's staff. Did he? Nowhere in there. He said, Moses, he didn't say, Moses, that stick's not good enough. Go find me one with, without any imperfections or flaws. He didn't say that to Moses. God said to him, he said, Moses, I just want you to give me what you've got. And in order for God to do his work on the earth today, hear me, folks, he doesn't need to have somebody who is overflowing with talents and abilities. Turn to your neighbor and look at him and say, thank God there's a chance for you. Amen. Amen. There's a chance for you. Amen. See, come on. God doesn't need somebody with all of the gifts of the Spirit. And speaking words of wisdom. God doesn't need somebody who can preach, sing, play the piano, and juggle all at the same time. Come on, God doesn't need that. God's not looking for the perfect dad, the perfect mom, the perfect husband, the perfect wife. He's not looking for the perfect divorcee, the perfect teenager, the perfect young adult. No, he wants someone who would just give him what they have. Amen. What he wants is a person that can say to him, God, here it is. It's yours. Hey, what is that in your hand? Oh, well, it's nothing, God. 
It's just a lot of desire without a whole lot of ability. God says, perfect. That's what I want. Amen. I can use something like that. Will you just give me what you have? So you know what happens? When you cast it on the altar, God blesses it. And he says, I want you to pick it up now because it's anointed. It's blessed. And folks, let me just tell you, there's nothing better than finding what God wants you to do and doing it. There's nothing better than finding where God wants you to be and being there. There's nothing better than whatever place God has got carved out for you and saying, God, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, to the glory of God. See, God takes what you are and he blesses it. Amen? God takes the common and it's no longer common. God takes the ordinary and it becomes extraordinary. God takes the mediocre and it becomes mighty. Amen? God takes who you are And he uses it in ways that you cannot imagine. So church, I've got to ask you, what kind of hands do you have? Do you have hands that are holding on to what you have? Or do you have hands that will give him what you have and who you are? Come on, is there anyone in this room with a dream to be used by God? Come on, hallelujah. So my question is, are you willing to throw your life down? Are you willing to open your hands? Amen. Are you willing to release those things so that God can bless it? Because hear me, God doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care if you're talented or not. He doesn't care if you can speak uh, clearly or not. He doesn't care if you failed before. Come on. By the way, who has not failed? Come on, somebody. Right. If failure was a disqualification, somebody please turn out the lights and go get my keys. Because I don't qualify to be up here. You don't qualify to sit where you are. Aren't you glad that what God gave us, he didn't make us qualify for it? Come on, aren't you glad that when the Lord went to the cross and he died for our sins, he didn't say, hey, it's only for those of you who are good enough. And that's why he looks at us now and he goes, I don't need your list of qualifications, abilities. I don't need your resume. I just need you to say, God, here's what I am. Here's what I have. Use me. See, people who maybe feel a little unqualified, but they will give it to God. People who are ordinary but are willing to become extraordinary. People who will throw their life on the altar and say, God, here it is so you can bless it and make me an instrument. You see, usually whatever's in your heart is in your hands. Amen. Moses had the heart of a shepherd, so what? He carried a staff. David had the heart of a giant killer. He carried a sling. Amen. Judas had a heart of greed, so he carried a bloody bag of 30 pieces of silver. Peter had the heart of a fisherman, so he carried a net. Jesus had the heart of a savior, so he carried a cross. Come on, hallelujah. My question is, what do you carry in your hands? Just give him what you have. And let him use it for the glory of God. See, I want to challenge every believer. I'm challenging every believer. I'm looking in the camera. I'm challenging every believer. Be involved in the kingdom of God. Be involved in the kingdom of God. Do something somewhere. I also want to challenge every Life Church member to prayerfully consider serving right here at Life Church. We need more dream teamers if this church is going to continue to grow, and it is God's will for us to grow. Amen? We want to serve each other in our community effectively.
Moses, what is that in your hand? Well, it's just a hope. It's a dream. It's a promise. Give it to God. Let him bless it and use it. I've just got a testimony. I've got a desire. Amen. Give it to God. Come on, let him use it. Amen. God says, I'm going to take your want to and I'm going to give you a how to. Amen. Give it to God. Let him use it. Do you have an ability? Do you have a talent? Do you have a gift? God didn't just give it to you to use it on the job. He gave it to you to bless his kingdom. Give it to God. Some of you, you may not even be sure what God wants you. Maybe God's blessed you with abundant resources. Maybe he wants you to be a channel that can bless the kingdom financially. Open your hands and let God use you. However it is he wants to use you. See, because God's not looking for clenched fists. He's looking for empty hands. Hands that have cast it all down for him to bless. See, he doesn't need much. Just hands and hearts that he can use. There was another man in the Bible who also had something seemingly insignificant in his hands. And his name was Shamgar. This story was the one that Robin mentioned to me on Tuesday. They got me thinking about this message today. The children of Israel at that time of Judges chapter 3, they were fighting against several different nations that were still lingering in the land of Canaan. Ironically, when you read the story, the Bible actually says that God left those nations there on purpose to test the Israelites. That's what it says. And the reason he wanted to test them is because the children of Israel were not living right. Amen. They were worshiping false gods. They were not obeying uh, God's commands. But even though they were walking in disobedience, every time they cried out to God, God would send them a deliverer. He would send different people to them, amen? Sometimes it was men. Sometimes it was women. Sometimes it was kings. Sometimes it was prophets. But this particular time, God sent them a man by the name of Shamgar. Now, what's interesting when we learn about Shamgar is there's one verse in the book of Judges that talks about him. Look what the Bible says about Shamgar. Judges chapter 3 and verse 31. It says, after Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, rescued Israel. And check out his resume. He once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. That's his resume. That's the whole thing. One sentence. Amen. He once killed... 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He killed 600 men with a stick that you use for prodding cattle. An ox goad. A stick that was about eight feet long. And either an ox goad usually had a really sharp point that they would whittle down with a knife. Or some ox goads had an iron spike stuck into the end of it. But Shamgar, you know what he did? He just used what he had. For the glory of God. Shamgar was just an ordinary guy in an ordinary place using ordinary tools, doing an ordinary job. And he obeyed God. And guess what? God took care of everything else. The fact that he was using an ox goat implies that Shamgar was probably just a farmer. He wasn't a warrior. He wasn't some elite soldier. Amen. He wasn't some Navy SEAL. Come on. He wasn't a a ranger. Amen. He wasn't any of those things. He was a farmer. He was not a warrior capable of killing 600 people by himself. You know what he was, though? He was just a guy willing to let God use what he had. Hallelujah. And folks, if we would just do the same. 
God could take our ordinary and make it extraordinary. I want to encourage you to learn from Shamgar. God's hands are never limited by what's in ours. You need to let that sink in. Come on, God's hands are never limited by our limitations. God's hands are never limited by what's in our hands. Because I can tell you so many times where we've given God what we have, and God multiplies it and blesses it and uses it for his glory. Amen? Just give him what you have. Release your hands. Release your calendar. Release your gifts. Release your schedule. Release your finances, whatever it is. Let go of what you're holding on to. Remember, I said it before. What do you need to put down? And maybe what do you need to pick up? Give it to God. You see, Moses' staff was his support. It was his protection. It was his comfort zone. I can imagine Shamgar probably felt the same way. I'm sure he probably walked around all day long with the, with the, uh, the non-sharp, the blunt end of his ox go, just stabbing it into the ground or leaving it around. It's kind of a, a comfort. It's our, it's our area of comfort. It's our comfort zone. But when Moses threw it down, he couldn't rely on his flesh any longer. He couldn't rely on his comfort zone any longer. And folks, I want to encourage you, don't just rely on your own abilities. Because when you give your life to God, he can use it for his glory. Amen. So often, you know what the problem is? We have too many things in our hands. Amen. Our calendars, our agendas, our kids' busy lives if you're in that season. Our own busy lives. Amen. I preached a series about money matters. Sometimes we've got two jobs. We've got three jobs. We've got so much going on. You know what we got to do? We got to constantly be asking God, Lord, I need you to please show me how to empty my hands for the glory of God. I want to give him what I have. I want to call the praise team and the musicians back up. I'm not going to take the time to read this story today, but in John chapter 6, there's another story about another miracle that needed to happen. 5,000 hungry people. Apparently not very much food to feed them. Amen. They couldn't find any. Now, no doubt, I can assure you, out of that many people, there were a few clenched fists in the crowd. Because <laughs> you can't tell me nobody showed up without any food. Amen. Some hidden bread, some hidden cheese, some hidden fish. Amen. But because they were hidden, they were hands that God couldn't use. There's a big need here. We're rounding up food. We're rounding up bread, calling all fish, calling all cheese. We're going to whip up some fish sandwiches. Amen. How many of y'all got any food? Hide the, hide the cooler. Hands that God couldn't use. And they're rummaging through the crowd, and then finally there's this one little boy who goes, Hey! Hey! I got something. What is it? Well, I'm paraphrasing. My mama packed me a lunch. Already ate the cookies. Already ate the little Debbie cakes. They're gone. But there are some bread and some fish in this bag. You can have it if you want it. And you know what the Bible says? The boy handed over his lunch, and Jesus blessed it. 
and fed 5,000 people. Not just 5,000 people. Let me just qualify it for you real quick. 5,000 men plus the women and children. That's how they counted that. So there was at least 10,000 people there. One lunch, all because one little boy recognized, I've got something in my hand that I need to lay down. And if I lay it down, somebody else is going to come along and they're going to pick it up. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to take it to Jesus. And when Jesus starts blessing it, when Jesus takes what you laid down and he picks it up and he starts multiplying it, you know what the Bible said? All those thousands of people were fed and when it was all said and done, they took up 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, you know what's interesting to me? There were 12 disciples there that day. You know what I loved? I think the lesson is all those guys that didn't come prepared, all those guys that were doubting, because they didn't know. They said, hey, we don't have enough money to buy food for these people. Even the one guy who got the sack lunch, he said, well, I got this one lunch, but what is that among so many? So you know what I think the Lord did? He lined up all of those disciples like... Here, take this. Don't ever doubt what I can do. Take this basket. Don't ever doubt. Here, here's a whole basket full of food. I want to remind you, I can do anything. If you'll just put it in my hands. So my question is, what do you hold in your hand? Oh, it's just a sling, said David. Good, that's all I need. I want you to go out and kill a giant. It's just a sword, said Jonathan. Oh, that's good enough. I want you to go kill some Philistines. Well, it's just a jawbone of a donkey, said Samson. Well, that'll work. I want you to go out and kill 1,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey. Well, all I've got is a fishing net, said Peter. Good, throw it down. I've got some keys I'm going to give you instead. Keys to the kingdom. Now you're going to become a fisher man. What do you have, Paul? I've got a terrible past. You don't want to use me. Oh, actually, you're exactly who I want to use. Because, Paul, you're going to reach some people that all the good folks can't reach. I want to use you, Paul. I want you to stand with me all over this crowd. What you got in your shed, Noah? I've got a toolbox. Oh, wait till you see what I got planned for you, Noah. You're going to build an ark and you're going to save the world. What you got, Mary? I don't have anything, just my purity and my holiness. That's perfect. I want you to prepare to give birth to the Messiah. See, folks, today, it's all about what can I give God? So he could use me right where I'm at. I want you to pray about joining a team. We've got immediate needs in our children's ministry and our guest services. We have needs in media and in other areas. And as our teams grow, we can, our church family can grow. We can minister to our community better. And can I tell you something that I know is 100% true? Amen. We can meet every single volunteer need in this church today. If everybody in this room, and everybody's going to be in this room at 11 o'clock, and if those that are watching online, if they all said, you know what, it's time for me to put something down and pick something up. I know it. I know it for a fact. 
And that's where God wants to take us. God wants to use us. So I'm going to ask you to take, just look over that list that's in your seats and your handout. Consider what you can do to help. Take it home. Pray about it if you need to. But even more important than that, today, I want to open this altar to everyone to come and give or maybe even re-give your life to God. Say, God, I'm ready. In this new season of my life, God, no matter where, God, I just want you to know my hands are hands that you can use. I'm going to give you what I have. As the praise team begins to sing, I want to ask you to step out from where you are and just come to this altar and recommit your life and say, God, I'm giving myself to you. I want you to use me, Lord. Come on, that's it. I want you to use me, Lord. That's it. I want you to use me, God. Come on, some of you, your dream died. That's all right. God wants to resurrect that dream today. You think God gave up on you. He hasn't given up on you. Come on. Yes, God, you can use me.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to pray over us today before we close this service. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the men and women in this room, those who are watching online. God, we love you. That's why we're here. We want to serve you. That's why we're here. The Lord, so many things in life have kicked so many people down. They don't feel like they have anything to offer. That's a lie from the enemy. God, I know that being part of this kingdom is not just about me, but it's about others. I want to serve others. I want to serve your kingdom. I want to make an eternal difference. And right now, Lord, I pray, God, I pray, first of all, I pray a special blessing on all those that are already serving, God. I want you to give them strength. I want you to give them encouragement. I want you to bless them, God. Great is their reward in heaven, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the difference that the teachers are making right now with our kids. Thank you for the ladies that are serving in the nursery right now. God, thank you for the people that are greeting at the door right now. Thank you, Lord, for the band members and the praise team members who who work tirelessly, God. Thank you for their service, for ushering us into your presence. God, but right now, I just pray, Lord, that you would put a hunger in every single heart. God, to do something for your glory. That's our desire, God. We want to make an eternal impact. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give him a praise together. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.